For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, and there are four games left in week 15 of the NFL season. And the reason being is that a lot of the games got rescheduled by the league. But if you want to place a bet on the action, we've got Monday and Tuesday football. Betonline.ag is the place to do it. Anytime, anywhere, go to betonline.ag. Dot AJ. They open 24 7, 365 out the year. Head to the new and updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 24, Ike Taylor. IT victory Mondays, all that much sweeter. And it's even more sweet when we've got a celebrated, beloved guest here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Man, I cannot wait for the guest to come on. Well, always good to see you. Pittsburgh Steelers, they got the dub. The University of Lafayette, we got the dub as well for the New Orleans Bowl. So it's been a good weekend for me, Mark. <laughs> we'll parlay this celebration, but first we're going to welcome in ESPN's Brooke Pryor. Her Steelers coverage, Ike, is second to none. We had her on the show earlier this season. And Brooke, I've got to ask to start out. Steelers win against the Titans on Sunday, 19 to 13, but it comes down to the wire yet again. Just like how hard is that for you when you're working on deadline and it comes down to the fourth quarter, really some of the final plays in Sunday's game? I think I tweeted it out and it was either like end of third, early fourth. I was like, oh, now's the time when I'm going to start writing what is happening right now, only to delete everything by the time the game is over in the last like minute and a half, because that's when everything happens. So like, why do I even write anything ahead of time at all? Because it will all change by literally the final play. So I've had a lot of practice in it this year. Yeah, I can only imagine. And so later in today's show, we're going to be breaking down on our Taylor Talk segment, Joe Hayden's Hick of Nick Westbrook, it kind of getting that fourth down stop. And I really, I thought the big key in this one, four takeaways by the Steelers defense in no turnovers. And in my opinion, that really made up for the discrepancy of the time of possession because the Titans had the ball for more than 39 minutes in this one. Yeah, when you ain't giving up, when you're not giving the ball up, but you're taking the ball away from the opposing team, you know, that's playoff football. And I, I saw the time of possession, the T.O.P., uh, the Tennessee Titans, they dominated Pittsburgh. They dominated in yards. They dominated time possession. But Pittsburgh had no turnovers, and they uh, and they caused the Tennessee Titans to have four turnovers. So that's why the Pittsburgh Steelers walked out with that victory, that 19-13 victory. But, yeah, Miss Brooke, always good to see you. Thanks for coming back on the show. But the damn Pittsburgh Steelers for the last two weeks, they making me turn gray and I barely have hair. <laughs> I, 
yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I am. I. I am turning gray in the hair that I have. I'm going to have to go get it re-highlighted in January after this season because it is just between the Vikings, the Ravens game felt the same way. I mean, the the Ravens, the stats that we get like from our stats department at halftime, the Steelers, it, it was shockingly similar, although I don't, shockingly is probably not the right word because I was like, I feel like I've watched this game before and then they sent us the stats and I was like, oh yeah, it was the Ravens game. Um, but like the low rush total, the time of possession, everything, it was like either the lowest since the Ravens game or it was the most similar to the Ravens game. And kind of like that game, I mean, it's a good defensive performance by the Steelers. TJ Watt obviously had those like three and a half sacks um, against Lamar Jackson, but it, it it it's a win for the Steelers, but it felt more like the Ravens lost and the Titans lost, you know, like it's, not so much a Steelers win as it is the other team just straight up lost the game, like with those fumbles, with, you know, the the two-point conversion that T.J. Watt obviously affected uh, between right. Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. But it felt like the Steelers really had to capitalize on the other team's mistakes and hope that they were making those mistakes to hold on for a win. And it's not like the Steelers are necessarily helping themselves along to you know, try to not lose another game or tie or have something else crazy happen. See, I'm jealous of both of you. Your hair is going gray. I'm losing mine. So I'd say you both are still winning <laughs> over me. But I think both of you are spot on here, considering the Steelers in the first three quarters, the point differential, fifth worst in the NFL. You get to the fourth quarter and entering week 15, they had the third best point differential in the fourth quarter of any team in the league. So I keep tweeting this and I kind of tweet it as a joke, but the cardiac Steelers, but it's like an old movie villain that just won't die. And what they do in the fourth quarter, if they could play that way in the first half. What would this team's record be? It'd be, it, I, I can't help but right. think that, but that's how well they've played in the fourth quarters of games this season. I mean, that is, I feel like all last week, that's what we were talking about. And it, a lot of it was specifically tailored to the offensive side of the ball and asking, you know, seems like you guys really wait to go no huddle in the second half. And, you know, yes, you're using it to to change the tempo or you want to get a read on what the defense is doing before you decide to go to that. But God, if they could just go to it earlier, and I haven't looked at it yet, but I think they went no huddle less in this game than they did against the Vikings, which was interesting because it felt like the Steelers said, you know what? We hear everyone saying more no huddle. We're going to give you more Matt Canada, um, which, you know, at times made you want to pull out your hair because there were some play calls that looked great and, and were really successful. But I mean, I think the overall product speaks for itself. I mean, it was the lowest yard total in a Steelers win with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. That, yeah, that is... Yeah, that's, crazy. that's how that's how bad it was that it was just right. like I yes the Steelers had four turnovers but they only got 12 points off those turnovers which you can't do that especially when you're going into playing a game like you're going to face the Chiefs on Sunday that is a high scoring offense and they right. have had some weird turnovers their momentum is carrying them past that right now but early in the season I mean they are susceptible to having a Titans-like game with the weird interceptions that are, you know, tip passes and whatever else. Like, that could happen, but if the Steelers are only scoring field goals off of that, you're not going to beat the Chiefs. You're not going to beat much of anybody um, unless you get lucky, which is what it felt like on Sunday against the Titans. 
Brooke, I got a question for you. Just since you up close in person and you very in tune for the Pittsburgh Steelers, right now it's going. We're leaning towards the end of the season. In your mind, your opinion, position group so far of the year. Man, that's tough uh, because at times all of them have been the the last on that list. Um, I mean, I think it has to be. I, can you can you say the front seven as a whole? I mean, the the pass rush to okay. me has been what's been most consistent, and that's saying something considering they've had injuries. Um, Tyson Alulu being out, Stephon Tuitt never being available, T.J. Watt missing some games. But if there's a unit you have to count on, I mean, Cam Hayward is going to give you everything he has. Same thing with T.J. Watt. And they are able to do that with the most success and be the most consistent. But, I mean, the secondary at times has been good, but they've also had some major lapses. So I would go the the front seven and then the, the secondary are my two that have played the best but everyone else I mean honestly you could almost say quarterback too yeah like Ben has had some games that weren't great but he's not the reason that they're in the position that they're in right now where you know they're in the they they're in the playoff hunt because he has played well but a lot of to me the losses in the close games aren't necessarily because of him so um it's kind of a, a muddled mess right there for a team for one position group to try to be the best out of a lot of possession position groups that are really struggling this season. Got you. Go ahead. Ike. I'm sorry. No, you good. I just, I just just wanted to ask Brooke that question since she's up close in person in Pittsburgh and she's dealing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's all I wanted to know. I mean, I would also say the wide receivers have played really well. I think that there's a little bit of recency bias there because Deontay Johnson didn't have a great game. Um, against the Titans, and so you kind of forget about them a little bit. Um, And then, obviously, Chase Claypool had the issues that he had against the Vikings. Um, You lose Juju. But I think that Deontay Johnson is really holding up the rest of the wide receivers at this point. And Claypool has had some really good games. Just his mental lapses, I think, overshadow the good that he's done. And I can understand how that would be frustrating for him. Like, man, I'm taking all this heat for – for the first down celebration and the music and the penalties, but look at all these yards. Like I helped keep that drive alive Mm -hmm. before I killed it. Um, So I I think that the wide receivers could also, they're definitely to me, the best position group on the offensive side of the ball. Brooke, I also wanted to ask you, and this is coming from a show that is a fan of Mike Tomlin, his body of work in year 15, still looking to see if he can continue that streak of a non-losing season what was the explanation you got for the timeout allocation, both at the end of the first half and then towards the end of Sunday's game in the second half? You know what? Honestly, this is terrible. I can't remember if he was asked about it and what I and what he said. Uh, we were doing Zooms last night for the first time and for the first time this season post game, and it was a mess. Um, it was it was a little buggy. I can't remember if he was asked about it, but I do know that that was one of those things. You're like, what are you doing? What what's going on here? So uh, that is a. I'm going to have to get back to you and look at the transcript. Actually, maybe we'll pull it up. Uh, while you do that, to TJ Watt setting 
the record for the Steelers single season sack record. And Ike, we've talked about this too. If PJ Watt were playing a full 17 game regular season, I don't think there's any question that he would surpass Michael Strahan's single season record three games left. And that's still a possibility for the Steelers to see if he can do that. I thought it was pretty cool too, Ike, your former teammate, James Harrison, encouraging to go right. after Michael Strahan's record too. A pretty cool moment and a pretty cool moment for Watt. You know he's not at 100% right now, but he's out there giving it all, giving it his all for the Steelers. Yeah, so when you look at an organization, you think about the quarterback and you think how important the quarterback is, not only to that organization, but to the team, to, to, to get the team over the hump to see if he can be a truck, not a trailer to carry the team when the team is not, not at its best. But, man, you got to look at T.J. Watt, man. T.J. Watt is literally carrying the team. T.J. Watt, <laughs> Watt is making plays when they need plays to be made, and he has been doing that consistently. So when I look at T.J. Watt, I look, I'm looking at T.J. Watt as like a quarterback. You know, when you need a play, when you need to stop, when you need a turnover, when you need a, 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 a pick-me-up, who you rely on? You rely on T.J. Watt. And, you know, going into the game, T.J. Watt is going to get double team, sometimes triple team, depending on the situation. So for this young man, T.J. Watt, week in and week out, every time, every single time the Pittsburgh Steelers need a play, you can count on T.J. Watt. And that's been very impressive to me because if T.J. Watt is not on the field, your team has no hope. And we all know how we feel about Cam Hayward. We've been an avid fan of Cam Hayward. He's a pro bowler, all pro. Every day, 24-7, he's going to give you whatever he has left in his gas tank every play. T.J. as well. But, man, when T.J. TJ Watt is on the field, man, he's just totally different. You know, how T.J. Watt is carrying this team, I'm looking at how we depend and trust quarter, franchise quarterbacks, but he's just doing that from an outside linebacker, sometimes defense and in position, and it's been very impressive. Brooke, anything you'd like to add on that, just based on what you've seen of Watts' performance this season? And, again, even watching on TV, I think it's clear he's nowhere near 100%, but – Watt out on the field is better than him on the sidelines. Anything you'd like to add with from what no, you've 100%. seen with that? I mean, 100%. That's why he's the NFL's highest paid defensive player. I mean, it's you know, it's funny because Mike Tomlin used this line when he was talking about Joe Hayden, but I think it also applies to TJ Watt. He said it's it's not just what he does tangibly. It's the intangible presence that he has. And I think that that is so true for TJ because – Yes, he has the sack numbers, and I definitely think that he would break the sack record for the NFL and Michael Strahan's record if he played a full season. But to me, there is just a different level of energy on the defense when he's out there. Um, he is the guy who just gets you amped up. I mean, seeing the, like, the kick after a sack, um, I think the one, the sack that Cam Hayward had – TJ was the one that got up and celebrated and that's not him stealing the spotlight or anything like that is just how fired up he gets playing football. And I don't think that you have to look any further than the answer he gave. It was the Vikings week. I asked him just about like, Hey, Cam Hayward says you play angry. Like what, where is that anger coming from? And instead of being like, well, you know, I just flip a switch. He said that, but then he also went into this long answer about, how passionate he is for football, how much he truly loves to play the game. And just, it was almost like a, I don't think he planned it this way, but it was like a love letter monologue to football. And it just gave you a window into like, this guy's the definition of like 
he is a football guy in like in every kind of, of good way. Like that is a guy that you want on your team. You want fighting for your team. Um, I mean, I think that he is the team MVP. I think that he definitely deserves uh, MVP consideration. I don't think that he'll win it because there are other players that are making such a strong case, but defensive player of the year, it feels like this should be his year, even though, I mean, Micah Parsons is having a great season. Miles Garrett also having a great season, but to me, TJ Watt should be the front runner. Yeah, TJ, TJ doing a lot of this, and he missed a few games. You know, so still lead the league in sacks and, and, and miss a few games. That says a lot about you. That means you're very, you're highly productive on the field. And I agree with you 100%, bro. Like, he just bring a different kind of energy when he's on the field. And I, and I think me and Mark had talked about this earlier. I'm like, T.J. Watt this year is definitely playing mad. Not saying T.J. Watt uh, didn't play mad for the years ahead, uh, years behind, but for this year it just seems and it feels different. Like he's playing very upset, you know. And for a guy, and he's for a guy to be that passionate and to be getting paid that amount of money, and for him to tell this agent, "Hold on, man, I'm getting tired of going back and forth." Let me go ahead and sign this contract so I can get my butt down to practice. That says a lot about T.J. Watt and his mentality and how truly passionate he is about this game. So when you just look at T.J., man, T.J., just he's just different, man. It's just when you – them guys don't come around too often. You know, the Michael Parsons, the Aaron Donalds, the T.J. Watts, um, they, they, just, they just don't. So when you see it, you acknowledge it. Man, I wish he was a teammate of mine because I would have loved to play – with T.J. White, just just by looking at him and seeing how he moves and just seeing how he loves the game of football, it's just all on the field. Right, he's he is definitely a signature stealer. I mean, he he is a Correct. he is the essence of what you want as a stealer. And by the way, I looked up his answer, and as soon as I saw the transcript, I was like, oh yeah, of course. How did I blank on this? Mike Tomlin said about the not calling a timeout at the end of the half. He said, I was more concerned with stopping them than I was creating a drive opportunity for us. I wanted them to make decisions on going from second down to third down on time unless they burn one of their timeouts. They chose not to, so the clock ran out. We can get excited about subsequent drives, but you've got to get the stop first, and I didn't take that for granted. I see. I see. We'll let those words speak for themselves. Brooke Pryor, <laughs> this is why you're the absolute best. We want to make sure we get you out on time. You've got to go interview Mika Fitzpatrick on Zoom here, but we thank you for joining us here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. I encourage our listeners and viewers, go check out our work on Twitter at B.E. Pryor on Twitter as well. Brooke, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Thanks for coming on, B. Appreciate you. We're going to take a quick break here on the Believe in Steelers podcast to tell our listeners and viewers about Lightbox Jewelry and LightboxJewelry.com. It's the holiday season, so I know we're only five days away from Christmas, so you're probably not thinking about popping the big question ahead of the holiday season. It might be now sometime into the new year, but if you're thinking about that, if you need a last-minute gift idea, LightboxJewelry.com lets people do that all over the world. Yeah, so I'm just sitting in my hotel room because I'm still in New Orleans. And, you know, I'm trying to get all the all the TVs and all the lights on because it was kind of dark. But then I hit lightboxjury.com and it just shined everything up. Never a dull moment when it comes to Lightbox Jury. They stay sharp. Anytime you need some bling bling, 
make sure you go to lightboxjewelry.com. Yes, again, lightboxjewelry.com. Add some sparkle to your holiday shopping. And Ike, like you said, Lightbox Diamonds, never a dull moment. Thank you again to our guest, Brooke Pryor. She's the absolute best. But now it's time for my favorite segment of the show, our Taylor Talk film analysis and the video footage courtesy of NFL Game Pass. We've got not one, but two clips of Joe Hayden making plays his first game back in four games from a foot injury. And I, I think both of these plays are prime examples of the importance of flying to the football. And we're going to break it down here on Taylor Talk. Yeah, Joe Hayden, man, just been giant on the spot. He's just like Mika Fitzpatrick. For some reason, somehow, the ball always seems to find them two guys, Joe Hayden and Mika Fitzpatrick. But on this play, man, it's fourth and six. Very crucial for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially trying to seal the deal. So you got a trips at the top. So a trips is three receivers at the top mark on the short side of the field. You have a guy sitting down on the cut split down at the bottom. And, but what I, but what I like, can we run it back, Miss Corden? Can we run it back to the top? Can we pause it? So the trips, the trips at the top is uh you got three receivers at the top, but this is a new formation. I've been saying this a lot, Mark, where they're putting the running back up on the line of scrims because they're trying to protect the quarterback. Because now instead of instead of waiting and coming up, he's an extra lineman, so he's closer to the blitz pickup. So that's perfect. I've been seeing this of late. Now you got a receiver down at the bottom with a cut split. What I mean by the cut split is he's closer to the to the to the line of scrimmage. So usually when you see cut splits, guys usually do crossing routes. But man, we got to talk about Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden missed a few games, but Joe Hayden always coming for coming up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just ask, just ask New England company company a few years ago when Joe Hayden got that pick against New England on the Rob Gronkowski. But here go Joe. But at the same time, I want us also focus on Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka sitting in the back close to the end zone. So it's the cover two shell look. You got him and Edmund sitting in the back giving the cover two shell look. But Coach T knows the importance, not only on this fourth and six, but giving the free range for Minka. Minka's going to come down, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to come down to the center of the field, and he's going to play like a robber. So when you got a guy like a Troy Palomalu, when you got a guy like a Minka Fitzpatrick, who is very instinctive sitting in the secondary, you don't want to take that away from him, especially in a crucial, a crucial situation like this. So you'll see Minka drop down and try to steal him something. But if we can run a tape, here go old Joe again, always making plays. Yeah, Ike, the note I had in here was the situational awareness of this play, knowing fourth and six, the down distance and the situation. So not just Hayden on this play who makes the game saving tackle, mm-hmm. the game winning tackle, but look where Minka Fitzpatrick is on the far left side of the screen. He's sitting right around that first down marker. So that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, so Minka was like seven yards, you know, uh, seven yards. Then when the ball was snapped, Minka wound up being them that 10 yards up on the line of scrimmage. And that's what you want from Minka. He closed the deal a couple of years ago against the Cleveland Browns and taking a pick six to the house against Baker Mayfield. So that's what you want that guy to do. When it comes down to that situation, you want him to protect the middle. But not only that, man, just use his instincts because it's very high. He got a good spider sense. But here come old Joe. What they try to do, they try to do a hook on Joe from that trips from that trips at the top. So it's supposed to be like a it's supposed to be like an eight yard curl route um and a perfect pass and making the receiver make the DB miss if he has time. But look at Joe, man. Joe is Johnny on the spot. 
and it was a fourth and sixth situation. Joe just coming back. And for Joe to have the awareness, he's been doing it obviously a long time, understanding the situation. Fourth and six, uh, back is on the wall. We're against all odds. We have to win this ball game. Look how tight everybody is to their to their receivers. If you look at the top, you got a, you got your cornerback. He's tied on the receiver. You look at Joe. Joe is in a perfect situation. Not only a perfect situation, but a perfect situation to make the tackle mark. That's what we got to understand. Like Joe, Joe gets his head across. He gets his shoulder pass on the receiver. So as soon as the receiver catches the ball, he stops. And oh, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, man. The referees really tried to give this one away to the Tennessee Titans and put the Pittsburgh Steelers in the bad situation. I know it's Christmas time, but, man, you can't be that generous. I'm totally with you. I could end the show notes. I wrote awful ball placement by the refs. Now, I will say this. The line that you see on your screen, the yellow line, is an unofficial line. So I know everyone on TV is like, well, it's crossed the line of scrimmage. It's, you know, first down. you got to look at where the sticks are, where the marker is. And if we continue to watch this play, we're going to get a sideline view, which shows exactly what we're both talking about, Ike, in terms of it was absolutely awful ball placement by the referees. Yeah, that was horrible. That was probably one of the worst ball placements I've ever seen. But hey, but check this out. As soon as he catches the ball, if we can pause it right there, I mean, look at Joe. Joe gets his head across. He's still driving his foot. As you can see, Mark, he's a, he's at least a yard behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know how generous this referee wanted to be for the Tennessee Titans, but it definitely for sure wasn't even a close picture, as you can see right there. But you got to just give a major shout out to Joe Hayden, man. Just coming off of the injury bug with, with his foot, getting back into the game. It's fourth to six. He understands everything that he needs to uh, understand. Knowing he had to be real close to the wide receiver not to get that first down because it would have put him in a situation to score a first down situation. But man, come on, referees, man. I, I know it's Christmas, but we can't be that generous. <laughs> and you can see the marker at the top of your screen, Ike. And it was the signature play. Joe Hayden, 32 years old, in a contract mm-hmm. season as well. And if we watch this play play out here, Ike, I love some of the reactions because you see Joe Hayden here going nuts once the referees determined it was short. Santa Claus is loving it as well. And also, we got the chef's kiss from Coach Mike Tomlin as well after this play. And I thought it was just indicative in the importance of having Joe Hayden back out on the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There it is, Ike, the chef's kits from Mike Tomlin. That's got to be a new gift for the Steelers. This view as well from the pylon, from the from the marker, the first down marker shows it wasn't even close. Not even close, man. That's going to be the new meme for Coach T. Whether it's good or bad, whether the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning or losing, that's going to be the meme for Coach T on social media, I guarantee it. Okay, Ike, we're going to go to our next play, which also involves Joe Hayden. So, Cam Sutton forcing a fumble, Joe Hayden getting the fumble recovery. And I go back to the importance. Any young DBs, any young coaches out there hoping to teach, you know, the game of football, the importance of flying to the football until the echo of the whistle, it was evident Yet again here by Joe Hayden in his fumble recovery. And Ike, what did you see here on this play? Good old Joe John on spot. So if we can just keep it paused right here, you got a bunch right. So you got what I mean by the bunch right. You got three receivers close sitting at the bottom of the screen. You got a receiver who's on the ball and two receivers off the ball. Now it's not a cut split anymore. It's a tight formation. So if you look at the top 
if you look at the top, you got one receiver. Now we have we do have the running back sitting in the backfield by by the uh, quarterback. So as a left side corner, man, I'm thinking bunt situation. It looks like this is about to be a a two a two man situation. So the two the two safeties they about to split the field in half between you know Terrell. Terrell is talking to the corner, so obviously they got a game going on. So they're about to split the field between Minka and Terrell. Terrell going to have one left half. Minka have the other right half. But if you look at this situation on this third and six, we, we need to pay attention not only to Joe who catches the ball to make it one of the four turnovers from the Pittsburgh Steelers defenses, but we got to look at the the, the smartness and of Cam sitting in the middle of that nickel corner coming off his man. So if we can just play it. And Ike, as this begins to play, I want to point out the drag route concept by the Titans receiver, Racy McMath, who catches the ball and eventually fumbles. Mm-hmm. We're going to pause it here. So if you if you if you look at the situation, Cam actually comes off of his man to see the ball getting thrown and make this tackle to force a fumble and Joe Hayden's going to come up with this play. But if you look at the top, you see the corner with the game going on between Terrell and the corner, man. He's in a perfect position, even if he does make this play and Cam isn't right there. He's in a position to either knock this ball loose as well or to get a stop and make it make sure it goes into fourth down. But if you can run this play, please. So Cam comes off, forces the situation, and look at Mr. Johnny on the spot. Now, we just talked about the man making the fourth to six in a crucial situation, Joe Hayden. Now, we're about to see from a whole different angle, he getting into his Superman situation. Uh, I love this. The ball pops out in the full extension here, Ike. Oh, man, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful? I mean, you're talking about fighting for the ball. You're talking about laying everything out on the line. And I talked about this because we used to, they used to pick on me on not knowing, not having a good fall game. Like my teammates, like, I, your fall game is horrible, man. When you fall, you got to tuck and roll. But for some reason, man, Joe Hayden does this instinctively. Every time he comes and he falls, he always tucks and roll. Check this out. And this has to be something the Steelers teach now, Ike, because Correct. we saw Cam Sutton do this earlier in the season on <laughs> the, the tip LA. pass from Cam Hayward. Yes. Right. right, right. And I know you like to get your your Boy Scout on here with On My Honor, learning how to tuck and roll, Ike. Yeah, yeah Omar and I would do my best to do my duty to God and my country to the beta. I'm telling you, man, I got this. We have, We could just run this. That's perfect. But look at the roll, the tuck and roll. Like you say, man, they must practice that nowadays. An excited Joe Hayden coming off an injury, making two crucial plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm so glad Joe Hayden is back on the field for the black and gold. And again, Ike, if I can reiterate one thing, the situational awareness, knowing the down, distance, and situation of a football game, both key conversions in this game, and the Steelers come up clutch both times. So Joe Hayden back in uniform, back healthy for the Steelers. I don't think he's at 100% either, but making two absolutely crucial plays for the Steelers in their victory on Sunday. Ike, we will move on to our other Week 15 observations, and I want to keep it in the AFC North division. I have no problems with the Baltimore Ravens going for the two-point conversion. Now, I know the analytics crowd and the anti-analytics crowd are having a lot of discussion this morning about uh-huh. whether it was the right decision to make. I want to point out to you how decimated by injuries that the Ravens are. They are without four of their top six cornerbacks coming into the game. They lose their most experienced quarter cornerback, Tavon Young, to a concussion in the first half. 
Both starting safeties are out, and their top def- defensive lineman, Calais Campbell, is also out. The decision to go for the two-point conversion, you can point to the analytics and the odds of actually converting, but having to stop Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and company in this Green Bay Packers offense had a lot to do with the decision to go for two. I know the Ravens came up short two weeks ago against the Steelers and also had a loss. It's part of their MO to go for it. But not only is it part of their MO and what the analytics will tell you, look at who you have available on your roster. Even if you tie the game up with Tucker, you've then got to go back and stop Aaron Rodgers in this offense. I have no problems with John Harbaugh and the decision-making to go for the two-point conversion, even though they came up short. Okay, so this is where we get our divorce at, Mark, because I did have a problem with the, with the Baltimore Ravens going for it. And here's why I had a problem Bring it. with it. This, here's why I had a problem with the situation. So you have stopped Aaron Rodgers and his offense twice before this situation because you was down two tubs. You was down two scores, I so say. So your defense wind up tightening up, um, getting the ball back to the offense. And, man, if we want to talk about a backup quarterback who's built for that situation with Greg Norman, we got to start talking about Huntley. Because, Huntley, you want to talk about the comeback kids? The last five games, the Baltimore Ravens have been comeback kids. Whether you're Lamar Jackson or Huntley coming off to fill in his role for Lamar Jackson. So my whole thing is, man, you already stopped the Green Bay Packers twice already. So you have the momentum on your side. Last time you tried to go for something that towards the end of the game, you came up short against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all saw that. This time you're back in the same situation. So for me, man, I'm just going with the flow. My flow is my instincts. My instincts is what have I seen in the past 15 minutes? So what I've seen in the past 15 minutes is my defense shut down the Green Bay Packers. So we do have momentum on that side. So hopefully we can carry that into the overtime if we kick this field goal and you go for two. And what I did like about going for two is I already knew. Soon as I, soon as I saw Mark Andrews go to the sideline with with in, in between that TV timeout, I said, man, they're gonna line them up wide. They're gonna put a they're gonna put a Hollywood Brown in the slot. And they're going to double team. I said, if I'm a defense coordinator, I'm double teaming Andrews and I'm going to contain and make sure that Hunter don't get outside. And if he does get outside, make him, make him and force him to look one way. That's exactly what the Green Bay Packers did. But not only that, it rushes, it rushes Huntley, a young guy who has been playing well, but you just giving him eyes on one side of the field. And if we did see the replay, you'll see, you'll see Hollywood Brown coming from that tight slot formation he'll be wide open in the back of the field <clears throat> if you did watch the play but at the same time that's why i disagree with you mark i don't i don't understand why they just didn't kick one because your defense had a momentum on stopping aaron Rodgers. why you just saying kick the field goal and hopefully man put yourself in a situation to come up with the dub at the end of the at the end of the game I, I want to come back to Huntley in just a second, Ike. I've got more fuel to add to this fire. If you think I was done, I got more for you, Ike Taylor. The guy <laughs> making defensive signals for the Ravens on Sunday was making his first career start. Mm-hmm. Tony Jefferson joined the team. He's a defensive back just four days earlier. Anthony Levine Sr. hadn't played a defensive snap all season long before Sunday. Kevon Seymour spent most of the year on the Ravens practice squad. Robert Jackson also promoted from the practice squad. I understand two stops. It's a tough ask to ask that group, considering not only have they not played much, they haven't played much together either to get yet another stop on Aaron Rodgers. So I hear what you're saying. Now, going to Huntley, though, I I am with you. He's going to get the opportunity to start elsewhere at some point. Now, 
The Ravens have what's considered exclusive rights uh, free agent in 2022 of Huntley. And here's what that means. Any player with less than three accrued season and an expired contract, if the original team offers him a one-year contract and a league minimum, that player cannot negotiate with other teams. I'd imagine the Ravens will want to keep Huntley on their roster for as long as possible. But once he comes out on the open market, he's played extremely well, and I think he's going to get his opportunity given what we've seen him do in relief of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I don't think Huntley going to him. Mark, honestly, and the reason why I don't think he's going to, I think he'll understand the business side. So when you go somewhere, you leave an organization like the Baltimore Ravens, and usually when we talk about the Baltimore Ravens, that's another organization with stability when you want to come down to the head coaches. So you talk, you talk about Coach Townsend for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then you can talk about Coach Zimmer sitting with the Vikings. Then you can talk about Bill Belichick, who's been sitting with the uh, the the Patriots for decades. You also got to go to Coach Harbaugh, who's been sitting with the Baltimore Ravens for a long time as well. So when you look at that, and then that, and as a young player, you look at the stability part, and that's exactly what you want. Now, when you just take it further, okay, who fits my style of football? It's Greg Roman, and Greg Roman and company. You know, this is the offense I need. This is the offense who fits my style. I can always, and I'm sure he might want to be a starter, but honestly. Ain't nothing wrong with just sitting back and getting paid and watching what Lamar does. So if 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 I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I would pay, I would pay him a chunk, not a chunk, but I would pay him to be a a backup so far. Let him learn, let him get groomed. At the same time, we have been seeing Lamar Jackson deal with injuries of late the past two years. He's been dealing with injuries. So if I'm if I'm if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm not letting Huntley go. And if I'm Huntley, I'm not trying to rush on being a starter. Going to going to a team who doesn't fit my style of play, and I don't think there's too many organizations better than the Baltimore Ravens organizations, along with their offense, who's going to cater to his offense ability. I think the key word you use there, Ike, is rush. You've got if he has the opportunity to go to another team, it's got to be the right fit. And everything Correct. you talk about with the Ravens organization right now for his skill set is the right fit. So I am with you there. I'm not saying jump at the first opportunity that you have to start elsewhere if they have an offense that's not structured to your abilities. I I am with you there 100%. The Rodgers and the Packers get yet another victory, Ike, and I know you like the Packers in the NFC. Kings of the NFC North again, Ike, but Aaron Rodgers, not Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you see what I'm doing there, making some analogies to some popular uh, fantasy both TV shows and movies. But Aaron right. Rodgers, King of the North, but he is not Lord of the Rings. So Aaron Rodgers and company, man, this what this what I have been liking about Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers in his third year on the Matt LaFleur's offense, now he understands the importance of running the ball. So you got a you got an AJ Dillon who <laughs> has legs like tree trunks. You know, he's handing the ball to to, to AJ. Um, you got a nice change up. And one of my favorite running backs in the game for a while now has been Aaron Jones. He runs bigger than his size, you know. So when you just look at that, and I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, he's definitely, he's past the matrix. He in a totally different planet right now. He sees the plays before it happened. The game has always slowed down with him. At some point in time, I think Aaron Rodgers, he's be t- he, he'll be torn with a defense, you know, so – that's just what it is, man. He's just on a whole different level. But I'm just glad to see from a defensive player perspective how important Aaron Rodgers see, how important Aaron Rodgers knows that running game is very important, not only to the team, 
but to him as well. I love the tree trunk reference. I, my week 15 observations are this. Uh-huh. I, cur- I, I have jinxed and cursed everything that I say would happen. So here's what I mean by this. I told our viewers and listeners, take Tom Brady to win NFL MVP. Tom Brady shut out for the first time in 15 years. That's 255 consecutive starts. Saints defense without their head coach, Sean Payton as well playing extremely well on Sunday night football. And I, I have jinxed the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals have lost four of their seven game, the last seven games. Uh, but here's the big thing, too. I thought that they would beat the Rams in week 14. Now that they get not just beat, smoked by the Lions, the Jags now have the top overall pick in the 2022 draft if the season were to end today. The tank for uh, Kevon Thibodeau out of, Oregon, those sweepstakes are out there as well. So I just want to say everything I've been saying is like the kiss of death right now between, you know, oh, go take Tom Brady for NFL MVP to get shut out on prime time last night. And the fact that the Cardinals have uh, the Cardinals have lost two in a row. Yes, I guess you and Coach T on the same page when it comes to the kiss of death, either the kiss of death or kiss of goodbye, one or two between y'all two. So I guess y'all got something. Going up, going on, y'all on the same page with that one. But at the same time, Mark, when you look at Detroit, and we've been talking about Detroit, you know, how hard they play. They just always find ways to lose. Now Detroit still playing hard under the head coach, and they finding ways to win. But what I thought about the Arizona Cardinals, when I saw DeAndre Hopkins was going to be out for the remainder of the year, I thought that was going to be an issue because that was Kyler Murray's like favorite and number one target. And I thought the LA Rams have put a blueprint out for Kyler Murray, keep him in the pocket. And once you keep him in the pocket, it's going to be hard. He makes a plays. He makes a lot of plays just like Patrick Mahomes sitting and rushing outside the pocket, extending plays. But the, the Detroit Lions, one thing they did do well, we talked about their running game and their toughness. They ran the ball real well on the Arizona Cardinals. And for the most part, they kept, they kept Kyler Murray sitting in the pocket. So, and I thought they just looked at the LA Rams game and the LA Rams, man, to an extent, that's exactly what they did. You know, they kept Kyler Murray in the pocket, um, forced Kyler Murray just to sit and make tight window throws. And you got to give it up, man. Detroit Lions secondary played well. They played well. But, yeah, man, Arizona lost. Tom Brady gets shut out. He haven't been shut out in 15 years for some reason because I'm sitting all this idea, watch the game at a cigar lounge. Uh, for some reason, man, that's just a kryptonite of Tom Brady. So, mm-hmm. if Tom, so if Tom Brady ever want to face New Orleans, New Orleans Saints, man, anytime soon, it's not going to be good for him. And to get shut down, you can, you can just see the frustration not only on Tom, but Leonard Fournette shows some frustration. Rob shows some frustration. You know, you know using the Rob doesn't show – too much Gronkowski doesn't show too much frustration, but man, for some reason, man, I don't know why it is, but the 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 Saints, if the Saints can have that mentality when they play everybody, how they play Tom Brady and Tom Brady Bucks, <clears throat> they'll go undefeated because yeah. man, they were shutting everything out. Yeah, AB didn't play. Godwin got hurt with the leg injury. I know Mike Evans didn't play as well, so he'll get some of his top targets back too. Right. And I think Bruce Arians will use this loss as motivation and oh, the stretch. The stretch run in the season as the Bucks try to repeat as Super Bowl champions. I hope that Teddy Bridgewater gets healthy too, Ike. I saw that the Bengals took care of business against the Broncos this weekend. 
And then uh, I, I tell you what, too, we still have four games left in week 15. So we've got two tonight here on Monday when we're recording two more on Tuesday. And we'll see which Cleveland Browns are due back. So I know they had like 20 different players on uh, their COVID <laughs> list. Ike, we predicted it last week that the NFL is going to have to make some changes to their protocols. They go ahead and do that. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Barry and company had reached out to you, Ike Taylor, at some point, because this was a team that was just absolutely decimated by COVID. They moved what was initially supposed to be a Saturday game between the Browns and the Raiders. Now they're going to play here later today on Monday, starting at five o'clock Eastern. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the billionaires boys club and we talked about the importance of this 17 game season. Now we talked about the importance on how they seeding, how they seeding these teams from the AFC to the NFC. Now you get an extra team going into, going into the playoffs and there's only one king at the top, whether it's AFC or NFC. And that's what it is. So, when you look at when you look at what's going on, and you look at not only the old studs and the Aaron Rodgers and the 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 Tom Brady's, but when you look at the Justin Herberts, when you look at the Josh Allen's, when you look at the young studs who's up and coming, man, <laughs> the league don't want that to happen. They don't they don't want the COVID list to strike out. They don't want to see too many of their star guys sitting out because of COVID. So guess what? On the fly. When you're a billionaire on the fly and we all get together, the 32 billionaires get together, we're going to make up rules on the go. And that's exactly what they did last week because of the COVID breakouts between a lot of these teams. And we talked about that on our show, Mark. We talked about it in advance because, remember, Ike, we always record in advance for our Friday show. That leads to a great transition. The Christmas Eve edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast will be out on Friday. And, Ike, we're going to be donned in our full Christmas garb. Ugly Christmas sweaters are coming. Chiefs are going to be favored by 10 and a half at Arrowhead and Kansas City top of the AFC after Sunday's action. So that episode is going to be due out on Friday. And Ike, the Believe in Steelers podcast is going to have boots on the ground. Your boys going to Arrowhead, hopefully getting that Steelers W on the road in Kansas City. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh going to speed it up. You know, when I think they're going to go two minutes because they're very effective in this two minutes. So I think... They're going to hurry up and get this two-minute thing going against the Kansas City Chiefs defense. That's how I think they're going to come out. Then they're going to try to establish, you know. So hopefully uh, this this one is all on seven. This this one is on Big Ben. And Big Ben, for the most part, you can say what you want to say about the last couple of years, but the last couple of weeks, he's been putting Pittsburgh Steelers in good situations to win the ballgame. So he's been holding his own, too. If Big Ben doesn't have any turnovers, the Pittsburgh Steelers will always have opportunity to win. The ball game. But if you ask Big Ben to throw 40 sometimes a game, man, then we then we looking at something different down the pipeline. But yeah, man, I'm still gonna rock. And I said this, I'm still gonna rock with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't forget technically, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, even if they lose this game but they went out, they still can be champs of the AFC North. Ike, I'm, just- I'm with you. Ike, I'm with you. And I know you're still in New Orleans. I know this past weekend's you're at your alma mater, Louisiana Lafayette's bowl game too. And I right. saw that you you, I'm going to say you helped get the team a victory, Ike, but it was cool to see that you were on the field supporting your alma mater. Yeah, man. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette played Houston. I mean, me, Marshall. I'm sorry. Marshall in the ball game, the Orleans ball game, man. I got opportunity just to meet with the new the, the new head coach. He's a he's a uh, hell of a guy, man. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. I got opportunity to talk to him at the end of the game on the field. We talked for about five minutes, man. We kept it in-house. We as the Louisiana 
Lafayette Raging Cajun, man, we kept it in-house on who we hired. He is the right hire for this team. Uh, wound up talking to the president for the university, him and I. Gave him a smoke. Wound up talking to a lot of guys on the coach staff and even some of the players on the field. You know, and I keep forgetting. Um, they call me uncle now. You know, uncle. I, I keep forgetting how young these kids are in college. So either they call me OG or they call me uncle. So I'm like, golly, man, the, the, every time you blink or you wake up out of the bed, you really do get old. <clears throat> Excuse me. But a, a massive shout out, um, not only to the Raging Cajun, but a massive shout out to my business partner, Howard G Cigars. So you can go to HowardGCigars.com if you just want to buy the one of a kind, either for a souvenir or if you can smoke it. It's a, it's a great stick. It's a monster stick. But I also want to give a shout out to to Bet Online. Um, lightboxjury.com if you need some bling there's never a dull moment um, bet online again I'm sorry because I didn't do it properly betonline.ag because man they've been rocking with us since day one so anytime y'all just feel like betting even though I'm right here by a casino make sure y'all go to betonline.ag to make any bet anytime 24-7 also gotta give a huge shout out to Brinks TV Miss Courtney and her crew for keeping us looking all professional. Make sure y'all give us five stars when y'all want to review and rate the Believe and Steelers podcast between Mark and I. Got to give a big shout out to the Believe podcast for giving Mark and I this opportunity, not only to share our thoughts, but to bring us together to keep y'all informed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Major shout out to my dog, Mark, for being one of the best co-hosts I can ever have. Yeah. I, I couldn't have put it better myself. And I'll tell you a story about my trip to the New Orleans casino. I believe it's a Harris in New Orleans. We'll save this okay. for another time. But Ike, you're the absolute best. Huge shout out to everyone that you just listed off again. Couldn't have done it better myself. I'll go ahead and sign off for the both of us here. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening and watching the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll be back on Friday, the Christmas Eve edition. Until then, take care. So long, everybody. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.